Hi, this is Paul Butler. I'm the Senior Pastor of New Heart Baptist Church. Thanks for checking out our podcast. We hope that this podcast will be a great blessing to you and encourage your life. People might be meeting and there are quite a few small fellowships in Singapore. There were great moves of the Holy Spirit there in the 70s and 80s and we came in on that toward the end of it. And so there'd be assemblies like this size, bigger or, or even smaller. And so I'm, I'm going, I thought I was going to the assembly of the saints who are not neglecting to work together. So I, I go up into this building and the long corridors and I could hear some music. So that's it. That's the one. So I, I walk in, I'm dressed in Singapore, you put a you know, nice jacket suit and all this kind of stuff. And so I'm the preacher for the day. And so I, was a bit, I thought, man, I thought I got the right time. I'm late. So, so I bowl in, thinking I'm late, and I walk straight down the middle like this. Everybody's sitting there, and I rock straight in, and I plant myself right there, taking the best seat. I think Jesus said something about that. Don't take the best seat. So I'm ready to roll. I got my, got my head screwed on half the wrong way, and... and uh, I'm looking around, and you know, a church is made up of people, not, not a facility, right? So I had this strange feeling come over me. <laughs> and I go, I'm in the wrong church. <laughs> so a couple of minutes later, I stand up and walk straight out. <laughs> and I, I, everyone's thinking, who's that arrogant guy that walked up there? <laughs> sure enough, I had the right floor, but way down the other end, there is the correct fellowship and I was dead on time uh, but I tell you what I learned a lesson out of that one don't seek the best seat the point was it was an assembly of the saints they were not neglecting to meet together uh, and and so um, yeah now the whole idea of meeting together comes from a singular Greek word and it's ecclesia the word ek means a starting point, right? It's an interesting little word. And it's ecclesia, and there's other renditions of the same. And so Jesus mentions the word ecclesia, which is to gather or assemble. He mentions it only two times. And he mentions it in Matthew 16, and he mentions it in Matthew 18. And here is an abbreviated edition again. Uh, later on we'll unpack this. So the first mention of the word ecclesia is in Matthew 16 in the Gospels. Now we have written in our Bibles, in the English, the word church. And I'm going to go there a little later on and, and unpack that word church, how it should never have got there. So Jesus says this, he says, and he's talking to Simon Peter and he asks some questions, who do you say that I am? Peter answers, you are Messiah, the son of the living God. And I also say to you, Peter, that means Petros, small rock. Uh, and on this rock, Petra, that means Jesus, I will build my ecclesia, Jesus says. And the gates of hell shall not overpower it. We're going to come back to that little passage in a minute. But let's look at some other uses of the word ecclesia in the same books. This is fascinating. So you look in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John and the book of Acts and you find exactly the same word that Jesus used, also used by the Romans. 
And so we see here um, the Romans and the Greeks. This is in Ephesus, and we have here a riot going on almost. And so there's a silversmith called Demetrius, a maker of idols in the city of Ephesus. And he's losing his trade because so many people are coming to Christ. And there are not enough people buying silver idols and silver shrines. So he calls together the other silver makers, uh, silver shrine makers, and he creates a bit of a stir. And he gathers all these people together. And it says, some were shouting one thing and some another because the assembly, ecclesia, same word that Jesus used, was in confusion. And most of them didn't know why they'd come together. We go a bit further, but if you seek anything further, it says the magistrate of the city, he comes out and he tries to call order. He says, come on guys, get it together. If you've got anything more, it must be decided in a legal assembly or it must be decided in an ecclesia. And then in verse 39, he tells them all to go home and he basically says, shut your mouth and get out of here, you guys. And, that's the and he uses the word ecclesia. This is an interesting concept Yet the same word is used to describe of God's people gathering together. Why did Jesus choose a Greco-Roman word to describe the assembling of the saints rather than a Jewish word or a Hebrew word? This is quite fascinating that he picked this particular idea of ecclesia, which basically means the assembling of people together for a special purpose. So we see here in Acts 9.31 that the word is used, again, it's used all the way through the book of Acts, in fact, and it says here, so all the church, so the church or ecclesia throughout all Judea, Galilee and Samaria, at least three places, had peace and was strengthened living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit, it, the ecclesia, or multiple ecclesia, increased in numbers. So it's used in multiple ways in the New Testament. But it originally was laid down by Jesus. So we'll go a little further here and let's unpack this some more. So the basic meaning of ecclesia is simply an assembly or gathering. It refers to a gathering of citizens to discuss matters important to their community. I think you are part of a believing community. A literal translation would be people called out to assemble. Now in this case, you're not called by Pastor Brad. You're called by the Holy Spirit. And if you believe that God speaks, which I believe he does... He's constantly calling to you and to me to assemble with other saints. It's there in the Holy Spirit. It's always there in the Holy Spirit. You don't have to ask the Lord, should I be part of a believing community? It's just there in the Lord, always speaking, to be part of a believing community, wherever you happen to find yourself it's interesting the word ecclesia is not used to describe an assembly of religious worship by the Greeks or Romans. Very rarely used to describe, uh, uh, describe something around some deity. It was always about civil matters and what's important to that community 
and they assemble together and discuss it. The point being was it was about interaction and Ecclesia was not about a one-man show and it wasn't one-way communication in the Greco-Roman idea. It was about multiple communication and relationship so people could discuss things and, and achieve some result together in their community. Now, the four books of the Gospel record Jesus mentioning it only twice, the word ecclesia. It was unusual and a bit of a shock that Jesus should choose a Greco-Roman word, but he did it for a really good reason for us. Yet the Gospels record Jesus mentioning the kingdom of God 44 times in Matthew, 15 times in Mark, 34 times in Luke and 3 times in John. Yet he only mentions ecclesia or church twice. So you have to ask a question, what's going on here? Why did Jesus not talk more about how the saints should assemble together? He did not give a pattern. He did not give a tradition. He just referred to it twice, Ecclesia. But he's banging on constantly about the kingdom of God when you read the New Testament. And in, first, in fact, his first sermon, which is recorded in Matthew 4, and he starts out, verse 17, he opens like this, the first announcement, the first preaching of Jesus recorded, he says this, repent because the kingdom of God is near, you see. He doesn't say, look, you need to get together in Ecclesia and repent. He doesn't say that. He says nothing about it. And it's kind of unusual that Jesus is quite silent about assembling together. Yet you know and I know it is critically important. So Jesus arrives at the whole idea of assembling together by talking about the kingdom of God. He doesn't arrive at the whole idea of assembling together by talking about the necessity of assembling together. He simply talks about the kingdom. And when we get the kingdom, we will assemble together. That is the message of Jesus all the way through, that it's a natural outcome. When we get revelation that we're born into something that's much bigger than an event, such as a church meeting, we're born into the kingdom of God and all the things that the blood of Jesus provides for us. And that is how Jesus communicated the necessity of getting together. So let's go to this passage again and we're going to read it through a bit more. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Jesus makes it personal. And he says this, but you, he said to them, who do you say that I am? Now that's a good question because people have got all kinds of ideas about Jesus. And I love talking about Jesus, because then you find out people's ideas about him. And you can't avoid Jesus. He's like one of these people you stumble over in history. You can't get past him. And it's a good question for you today. Who do you think Jesus is? And so he goes on further. And then Peter 
a guy that suffers from a disease called foot and mouth disease is often tripping over his own words, but in this case he didn't. And he, and he says, you are the Messiah or the anointed one, the son of the living God. And Jesus says this. Jesus responded, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, because flesh and blood, that means man, humanity, natural reasoning, he's saying here natural reasoning, did not reveal this to you but my Father in heaven. By revelation of the Holy Spirit, God reveals who Jesus is. And that's what he wants to do to you today. He wants you to know who Jesus is. And as you sit there this morning, God's Holy Spirit is revealing who Jesus is to you. You might not be sure who he is. You might have a lot of questions, and that is very good. We need to bring our questions to the Lord as to who Jesus is because in questioning the Lord he will give you understanding and revelation about his unique place in your life and then Jesus goes on from the foundation of revelation that comes directly from God not natural reasoning Jesus says this and I also say to you that you are Peter in the Greek, that means petros, small rock. You could put it in your pocket, right? And on this rock, petra, it's another word, it means large rock, cannot be moved, cannot be shifted, boulder, size of air's rock, right? On, upon this rock, petra, I will build my church or my ecclesia. And the gates of Hades will not overpower it so the idea is Jesus says I'm going to build my ecclesia the assembly of people based on the revelation that you get that I am Messiah and so you ask the question I was sharing on Saturday with this how do you know when you've got a church it's a good question where in missionary work we ask that question constantly almost every day when you've got a new people coming to the Lord you have to say well when are they a church is it because you put a sign up the front or you brand it how do you know when a group of people become a church or become an ecclesia the foundation of that is laid by Jesus the foundation of an ecclesia is this you have got a bunch of people that all have revelation he is Messiah and without that you don't have a church there's something received directly from God, revelation in the Holy Spirit that Jesus is more than a man and he touches my life. On that foundation, you can start to plant a church. Before that, it might be a social interaction, a social group, and that's fine. It could lead to a church, but you cannot call it a church unless there's people with revelation comes from God the Father that Jesus is Messiah. That's the foundations. And so... An ecclesia is made up of people who have revelation. Now let's go a little further on this. Jesus speaks very bluntly in the next passage, which is Matthew 18. And this is the second time he mentions ecclesia and the last time. And he says this in Matthew 18, 15 to 17. If your brother sins against you, go tell him his fault between you and him alone. And if he listens to you, you've won your brother. But if he won't listen to you, there's no people here like that, are there? If he won't listen to you, 
take one or two others with you so that the testimony of two or three witnesses, uh, every fact may be established. If he doesn't pay attention to them, tell it to the ecclesia. Tell it to the assembly of saints. And if he doesn't pay attention to the ecclesia, it says treat him as a Gentile or a tax collector. That doesn't mean be nasty to him. You know, that means actually be really kind to the guy to win him over. <laughs> right? And, and so this description of ecclesia by Jesus is a description of the probability and the possibility of relationship breakdown. People are that close together. You see that? So Jesus is describing relationships here. If your brother sins against you. And so the ecclesia must have the possibility of relationship breakdown. Is that, is that right? It must have. And Jesus says, if you've not got functioning relationships where there's, you're banging up and close with each other, you're not close enough, you see. And a church without any relational problem, I wonder what it is. Now, I don't think we have too many relational problems here, but the probability of that happening must be true. And that must be true is what Jesus says. Go to your brother and speak to him, you see. Now, I know many people who at first offence, and in fact, just recently I was ministering to somebody, First offence, they walk out of the church and find another one. You see, that is not how an ecclesia works. Jesus said an ecclesia has trouble in it at times. Go to your brother and get it right. Don't take off down to the church down the road thinking it will be better. Now, I'm not trying to keep you all landed in these seats that's not the point of my preaching to make you stay here but I'm just saying church hopping is a frustrating thing I'm sure to God's Holy Spirit because he's trying to get to people's lives and and they get out from under his finger and take off down to the next church because they won't face the facts of relationship issues you see and discipleship involves relational wholeness and coming into it and you can build a tower upon that when you've got healthy, strong relationships in an ecclesia. Friends, you can build big. And God can trust that to bring more people to you, you see. And so I find it very frustrating when I encounter people that zoom around from every church. I think, well, man, for crying out loud, I'm sure you're getting good teaching, but is it actually, uh, are you actually allowing God to touch your life you know now look I know things happen in churches it always does friends let's be real about this don't try and avoid the fact neither you nor me have have perfect relational capacity is that true talk to my wife <laughs> but I do know this that God's Holy Spirit works within with fallible people God's Holy Spirit chooses you to live inside you despite your inabilities. Isn't that a miracle of God? And he chooses you and I to bless the world despite the fact that we come up short. That is a lot of confidence that Jesus has in you. Now let's 
go back to this word of church. It's problematic. The English word church does not come from Ecclesia. It's got nothing to do with the Greek. It crept in there through Jerome in the late 300s. He started in about translating the, uh, the Greek New Testament into Latin. And it took him about 20 years to do it. Right? And it went into Latin. And then we had a Latin translation of the Greek. And he, he started fiddling around with the idea of Ecclesia. Then it went, the, German, the Germanic people took a hold of it. And they took it even further and there's a whole progression and it ends up in the English with this idea of church. And the origin of that is not what you want it to be. It, it came from the word kuriakon which was commonly used to refer to a holy place or a temple, not people. Is that not revelation to you? I tell you the word church, sorry if this offends anyone here, it is not biblical. Plain, not biblical. So it's how things go over centuries and through translations. It ends up saying a place rather than people. And so we end up now going to church. And even governments recognise holy places or sacred buildings. Is that right? Friends, it comes straight out of early German theology, which came out of Jerome's incomplete translation and so ecclesia is the word i love the word i don't use the word church too much these days because i find it's just got baggage all over it and that's hard and that's difficult so we're not going to dwell on the germans i know there's a few people here of germanic background so uh please be at peace English have got problems too. <laughs> All right, let's, there's a few more. What have we got here? 1 Corinthians 6. Um, the word church is used a lot. We have Barnabas and Saul. They meet with the church in Acts 11. We have Paul saying that he persecuted the ecclesia of God. We have a group of people in Acts 13, 1 to 3. They're sitting around. There's five of them. They're having a prayer and fasting and worship time and God speaks to them that's a little mini ecclesia group there in uh, in Antioch the two books of Corinthians in fact most of the books in the New Testament uh, Corinthians starts like this to the church or the ecclesia at Corinth or at Galatia there are seven ecclesia mentioned in the book of Romans and they are a physical place to the saints the gathering ones at Laodicea, at Philadelphia, and, and a number of other churches. And, and so the word ecclesia means the collective gathering, but also means a very specific location, the ecclesia at Rochdale. And so it has multiple uses. Now we come to the, the more important part of this message, which is this. Who is in an ecclesia? And it was interesting, Chris this morning mentioned that you are a temple of the Holy Spirit. And it says here that uh, in 1 Corinthians 6.19, is that 1 Corinthians 6.19? Where are we? Here we are. Here we are. Let's back up. Okay, so 1 Corinthians 6.19 talks about people, individuals being a temple. And it says, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, you are not your own. That's, that's the singular 
here. When the word you is used, it is you, literally you, sitting right there. Not us, you, but you, you. Right? And it says that your physical being is a temple, a place where perfect holiness lives. Perfect holiness lives with you. So we can say this, that an ecclesia, which we are today, is made up of lots of individual temples. And I see temples of God's Holy Spirit sitting right here. A temple is a place of worship. And that's you, and that's you, that's you. But there's more, you see. An ecclesia is not just a group of individuals that are all, are all temples. There's a revelation, I want you to get this. And it works like this. Us together, corporately, are a temple. This is a piece of theology that is not preached enough. Because we major on individualism. We major on you and your walk with the Lord. And that is right. It's not, it's not wrong for us to do that. But do we talk much about our walk with the Lord together? Not just your walk with the Lord. And so... Paul unfolds this. Jesus kind of refers to it. Do you not know that you, this you in this case, in the Greek, refers to many people, lots of them all together, are a temple of God and the Spirit of God dwells in you as a group. So you have to ask the question, theologically and practically, where does God live? Right? If you say well, he lives here, well, I'll give you 50%. I'll give, you, I'll give you half a star. God equally, friends, equally dwells in the assembly of Ecclesia. This is a really important piece of understanding. That is why you treat with great care the body of Christ and you don't abuse it. You see? So... The Bible says that you're to walk in holiness as an individual and, you know, you don't keep garbage in your life. Why does the Bible say that? Because of perfect holiness living in you, right? And so we have that discipline. But, friends, at the same time, equally, no less important, is not keeping garbage in the ecclesia. All of us together. So we keep right relationships, yeah? We don't abuse or take advantage of each other and all these types of things. And it says here in, in the next passage, Ephesians, there's more. We can go into 1, 1, uh, 1 Peter 1, 1.5 as well. But let's have a look. This is a, one of these Greek sentences that are three miles long when Greek was written. And, and this is half of a sentence. Uh, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, Petra, in whom the whole building, being fitted together, is growing into a holy temple in the Lord. So being fitted together. In whom you, many people, are also being built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. So you ask the question again, where does God's Spirit dwell? He dwells right here among us. Where two or three assemble in his name in a living room, there is a guaranteed promise there's something supernatural more than just your individual walks with God. And there is one of the secrets to seeing miracles happen. 
is walking in the whole idea that there is the collective anointing of God in the ecclesia. Because on your own, you don't have enough strength. See, when you try and work out your faith on your own, you're only walking in half the anointing. The rest of the anointing is found in the ecclesia, you see. God promises to meet you in the ecclesia. It's a guarantee if you choose to exercise faith and believe it. He will touch your life in the ecclesia. Unbelief says, I don't trust them. Unbelief says, oh, I don't like the preaching. Unbelief says, that person bugs me terribly, you see. And you're cutting yourself off from the grace of God. Now, if we want to grow and reach the world, we have to live with the ambiguity that there will be people in this assembly who have lives that are a mess. Is that true? If you're here today and your life is a mess, you are most welcome. Right? If you have shame on your life, you are most welcome because Jesus is here to touch your life. This is the right place. And so God wants to touch us through the ecclesia. And we could say a lot, a lot more about this. And so as we finish up today, I, I just want to draw our attention back to the very beginning verse, which was about the blood of Christ. And that little packet of thought that starts with the blood of Christ in, in Hebrews 10, and it ends up with, don't neglect assembling yourselves together. Why? Because the blood of Christ guarantees so much for you. Opens the way for an insane amount of blessing on your life if you choose to take it and enter in. Not only that, he gives you so much to give away. Fills your pockets with grace to give to other people. And that's why you're here. Good for you, good for others. So I want to finish up on that note right now and pray uh, and ask the Lord's favour and blessing over us and that you will take everything that the blood of Jesus provides for you. And today if you're sitting there and you're, you're like Peter and those apostles where Jesus said, but... Who do you say that I am? If you're asking that question about who you say Jesus, uh, wondering who Jesus is, today's the day. Take a step. Acknowledge Jesus in your life as personal saviour. And we'd love to speak with you today about that. We're going to be here. So I just make that invitation to you. So let's wind up and pray. Uh, I'm just going to walk down here and pray. Uh, I'll be away most of the year. I'll come back in December. Uh, I'll be back for a, about a week or so in the middle of the year. Uh, so I just want to pray for you and bless you as I go. And, and uh, let's enjoy Jesus. Shall we do that? And please don't walk into the wrong church. <laughs> the wrong time. Okay, let's pray. Here we go. All right. And after I pray, we're going to finish up. But you want to come up the front here? Let's do it and let's enjoy God together and we'll pray with you for anything in your life that you want. Okay. Father God, thank you that you have come to give revelation to us, your children, like Peter, who said, you are the Messiah. 
Jesus, you are the Messiah. We acknowledge that you are the one that's come to save us. And Lord, I pray that for everyone in this room, that you would show that to them. If they're wondering and questioning, now, Lord, is the day. Call them. Holy Spirit, work miracles among us, Lord, as we assemble. You've promised as a dwelling of God in the Spirit is the Ecclesia, Lord. Come, let favour come, let it be abundant, Lord. Set relationships right when they're not right, Lord, in the Ecclesia. Bring people in who need, need saving grace and care, Lord. Bring them. Bless us. Send us, Lord. Send us in the power of the Spirit to take the favour you've given us. Lord, keep us from the evil one, I pray, in the name of Jesus. And we just anticipate your good works among us. Amen and an amen. Amen.